Midlands Health. Better health begins here. It's time for Better Health Radio, brought to you by Tidelands Health. Here's Bill Klaproth. Neck pain is less common than lower back pain, but still many experience neck pain, which can be debilitating and quite serious, sometimes requiring surgery. Here to tell us about cervical disc replacement surgery is Dr. T. Scott Ellison, a physician at Tidelands Health with a specialty in spinal surgery. Dr. Ellison, thank you so much for being on with us. Most people get the occasional stiff neck, but what are the symptoms that signal something serious is going on? Well, it's very common uh, for people in the middle age, uh, uh, below and uh, older than middle age, to have neck problems. Uh, And typically, uh, uh, neck pain is uh, due to a muscle strain and and improves spontaneously within a few days or a few weeks with um, uh, conservative care. uh, However, uh, some people have bone spurs in their neck, what we call spondylosis or what the lay public would uh, term arthritis, uh, or it, they can have a disc herniation in their neck, and the result of that uh, is agonizing and persistent uh, headache, usually in the back of the neck and the back of the head. And many times these individuals will have radiating pain that goes from their shoulder blade all the way down one or both arms to the hand, fingertip areas with pain and or numbness and tingling. So you mentioned conservative care, taking aspirin, standing under a hot shower potentially, or is it ice pack? I get that confused. If you have a muscle spasm, is it ice pack or is it heat? Typically for an acute uh, onset of a problem, we typically use ice uh, or or cold pack, not necessarily ice. But uh, cold is a very, very good uh, uh, enemy uh, so to speak, of pain. It's a great uh, analgesic. It's one of the best that we have, actually. Uh, however, uh, some people feel better with uh, heat and massage. And quite frankly, it comes down to somewhat of individual preference. In an acute injury, such as an ankle sprain, we typically are going to start off with, with cold or ice, a cold pack. But in a, for a neck injury, it's not unusual that I let a physical therapist and give them the green light to try heat or cold. And many people uh, prefer uh, one or the other, and there's no preponderance, and there's no right answer. Uh, I just tell people to try what feels better. And um, typically people fall right in the middle of half the people tend to like cool and cold, and, some, and half the people tend to like uh, heat. Well, that's good to know. Like I said, I always get confused what is proper, but I guess it comes down to uh, an individual and what they what feels right to them and I guess eventually what works then. So that's conservative care for those of us that wake up with the occasional stiff neck, like you said. So then a headache, radiating, arm pain, etc. Can you talk about that? So the next step is I've, I've had a stiff neck for what? Maybe uh, when is it time to go to the doctor? Like a couple of weeks, it's really a persistent problem. Is that Does that signal it's time to, to go to the doctor then and have it checked out? That depends on the patient's baseline of function and how it affects their activities of daily living. But anywhere between one, two, three, four, six weeks with persistence of pain, many individuals will present to their primary care physician, or they can present to me either one, which is fine. And it's it's appropriate, uh, typically, uh, um, to start uh, investigating and and trying to treat uh, this for persistence of pain, usually over a few weeks or so. And how do you diagnose that? Is that an MRI, or can you do that just by touch and feel and going through range of motion? How do you typically diagnose um, more severe neck issues? 
depending on uh, the scenario, if there has been an acute traumatic event, such as a car wreck or a fall, of course, we would typically uh, uh, immediately perform necessary imaging, such as an MRI or CT scan, to rule out any type of bony nerve or ligamentous injury. However, in the absence of trauma, uh, typically, the, the first place we start is with a good a history, actually, and let the patients uh, uh, talk to you and let let them know what's what's wrong. And, and typically, by the history, you're fairly accurate in what what you're going to find. Then, tip, then subsequently, we do a physical exam, and based on those findings, and depending on the length of time of the discomfort, we may recommend uh, someone going to physical therapy and trying an anti-inflammatory, or depending on the severity of the dysfunction. Uh, we may recommend proceeding with an MRI scan. Uh, many people in our society have had uh, cardiac pacemakers or, uh, placed or they have stents or they have some type of device uh, in their system that they cannot undergo MRI testing. And the next best test after that would be a CT scan. Okay, and then what do you look for? When is surgery necessary then? Typically, uh, surgery is a consideration when a patient fails uh, six weeks of conservative care uh, and the pain is progressive, uh, and most notably, if they tend to have a motor deficit, if they have a, a particular motor group uh, or muscle group that is weak, uh, that correlates with the MRI findings. For instance, with a C5-6 disc herniation, an individual may have normal motor function except for weakness in their wrist, and their reflex at that, uh, 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 at that level may be depressed. When you have an individual with, with those uh, findings and you have the history of the patient that matches with the physical exam and the imaging studies, then typically after having failed conservative treatment for about six weeks, it's reasonable to consider surgical intervention at that time, depending on the severity uh, of dysfunction as far as it relates to the patient's activities. So if that is the next step then... Is cervical disc replacement surgery the um, traditional way to treat the neck issue? No, it is not. Cervical disc replacement is a, is a newer trend. The traditional tried-and-true treatment for cervical disc pathology, whether it's a bone spur or a disc herniation, with appropriate indications for surgery, has for years been what's called an anterior cervical discectomy and fusion. Uh, and in, uh, we use the term ACDF, or anterior cervical discectomy infusion. And it is a very good operation. It is usually performed through the front of the neck because it's actually less painful, and the pathology can be approached uh, from the front of the neck instead of having to go through the back of the neck, which has a, a history of uh, causing uh, agonizing neck pain after surgery. So for, for many, many years, the standard of care for this type of pathology was a one or, or two level, sometimes more, anterior cervical discectomy infusion, which can be performed as an outpatient. Cervical disc replacements came about and, and were, were, were thought about for years, and then the trials were performed in the 90s, uh, 2000s, uh, because one of the down falls of the anterior cervical discectomy infusion, the ACDF, is the fact that it causes a, a fused segment in the spine, in the neck. And it's a short uh, fused segment, but that what happens is you, you lose the motion at the affected disc, and therefore that motion energy is transferred to the disc above and below the fusion. And theoretically, uh, at a, about a 25% rate over 10 years, there's a chance that the disc above and below can wear out what we term as adjacent segment disease, 
And again, there's a 25% chance that at 10 years that those adjacent segments might be considered degenerative in nature to the point where they could be symptomatic as well and be considered for, for more surgery. Okay, therefore, so now, the, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. therefore, therefore, the cervical disc replacement uh, was uh, uh, conceived, and the purpose of that is that instead of fusing that area in the neck, the surgery is essentially the same. The pathology is removed through the front of the neck, so we take out the bone spur and or disc herniation that are causing the primary problem as best we know. And then instead of placing a bone graft in a plate at that level, we put in a, a, a disc replacement device similar to a, a knee joint replacement or a hip joint replacement. And it's usually a little steel uh, a metal device uh, with an intervening uh, polyethylene uh, uh, structure, which helps uh, uh, preserve motion. And theoretically, theoretically, this will decrease the chance of adjacent segment changes over, over multiple years which may so the, decrease the chance of having to have more surgery. So hopefully it's a, basically it's a longer fix then. Theoretically, we are still in uh, long-term trials to consider this. The The studies have showed, uh, have shown very promising outcomes. Uh, we uh, have, there's a trend towards a decreased incidence of post-operative complications with the disc replacement. And actually there is a trend towards a slightly expedited, expedited recovery times with return to work a little bit quicker than the neck fusion surgery. But let me emphasize that the gold standard uh, the gold standard treatment for this for years has been the cervical, the ACDF uh, fusion surgery. We are trying the, when the disc replacement was conceived, the, the clinical trials had to live up to the success rate of the of the fusion. That's how successful the anterior the ACDF uh, procedure is, and it's a very good procedure for for the right reasons. The disc replacement uh, has the theoreticals, and we're still in the trials, but it is an exciting new opportunity for us to try to minimize the chance of having to have more surgery in the future. Right. So at this time, signs are very promising for a cervical disc replacement surgery. That's correct. So what else do we need to know about it? If someone is there and is trying to learn more about uh, cervical disc replacement surgery, what else do they need to know about it uh, that would help them make a decision or understand what it is? Typically, the anterior uh, or the disc replacement surgery would be considered in a younger patient with a disc herniation or bone spur versus an elderly patient. And the reason I say that is because elderly patients typically have more than one level of degenerative change that's probably relate, related to their discomfort, okay? So when you have a 32-year-old with a disc herniation in their neck or a 50-year-old and you have that individual with a one-level problem, they're a great candidate for this. And another consideration is the fact that a significant uh, portion of our population smokes, which is a definite risk factor for less than optimal outcome for cervical fusion surgery. The good thing about the disc replacement, while we don't advocate smoking at all, is the fact that there is no fusion necessary. So that is one thing to consider uh, when you're uh, want to consider an ACDF surgery versus uh, the disc replacement. The... Um, the disc replacement is approved for one to two level uh, replacement, but not more than that. And so typically what, we, what we're doing now is uh, trying to place this in a one-level pathology problem. So your, your typical 68, 72-year-old who frequently comes in with a, a headache, in the, like I talked earlier, a headache in the back of their neck, 
uh, their head, pain goes into their shoulder blades. They have a hard, they have a difficult time turning their head in traffic to drive a car. The pain goes down their arm. They can't sleep at night. It's a debilitating problem. They don't sleep. They lose their appetite. They become frustrated. Their quality of life is no good. Those people tend to have more than one level pathology, and and the ACDF surgery is an, a great option for them. Uh, if they had one level pathology, then the, the disc replacement may be a consideration as well. All right. Well, that's very good information. Thank you so much for sharing with that. And if the uh, cervical disc replacement surgery does have a longer positive outcome, I could see where someone uh, younger, that would be a better surgery for them at that point. That's correct. And and again, the studies do show a trend towards a uh, shorter hospital stay, although I will say that one and two level ACDF surgery and one or two level disc replacement surgery typically can be an outpatient procedure. Okay, so both can be an outpatient procedure. There is a trend towards a faster return to activity such as work or recreation with a cervical disc replacement. Not statistically significant, although the trend is there towards a faster recovery. And I think uh, some of that may be due to the fact that there may be a, young, uh, a younger patient population. So those are some things that we're looking at. And and, and I'll say that the, the studies show that, you know, uh, at about um, um, 10 years, uh, 20% of people with a fusion show adjacent segment degenerative changes or where the disc is thought to wear out quicker than it should. So the rate of that happening with a fusion surgery is about 3% per year. So if you're if you're 50 years old and you add up the statistics, the chances of having an, another level of wear out uh, because of the fusion is there, and it's an unavoidable circumstance in, in some occasions. But we do have the, the theoretical advantage of the disc replacement preserving motion and potentially letting us uh, um, uh, obviating the need for more surgery in the future. And it, it is a fairly tried. I know I know there are some uh, anecdotal stories of uh, professional rugby players uh, down in Australia that have had a disc replacement in their neck. Uh, they're actually playing rugby. That's a pretty violent sport, but I will say, too, that uh, there are uh, foot professional football players in the United States that have uh, had ACDF surgery and actually are playing professional football as well. Both procedures are usually very good options for individuals with clearly identified cervical pathology. Well, this is good news for somebody that's got a chronic neck problem, and it's great to see that there's more options becoming available for them. So this is just all good and positive moving forward for someone that is suffering from a debilitating neck problem. Dr. Ellison, thank you so much for your time today. Why should someone choose Tideland's Health for their spinal care needs? Uh, Tideland's Health, uh, we have a vibrant uh, uh, transforming healthcare care system. We uh, uh, are uh, community-friendly. We have access uh, uh, for the community, um, and I think we offer the highest quality of care in our uh, spinal program, our orthopedic program. Uh, we have a great experience with people coming to our ER, and we have uh, uh, health-grade uh, statuses of five and multiple programs, and we are uh, here to serve the population uh, in our area and try to make the um, uh, uh, try to help that uh, our population be healthier, uh, have efficient health care, a quality health care experience. And I think that's what we have to offer here better than anyone around here at uh, Tideland's Health. That sounds great. Dr. Ellison, thank you so much again. For more information about Tideland's Health physicians, services, and facilities, visit TidelandsHealth.org. That's TidelandsHealth.org. This is Better Health Radio. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.